Welcome to Grace Church. My name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and I want to welcome you. And this morning, we're talking about the power of a serving culture. You know, in the ancient world, especially in the religious arena of the ancient world, if you wanted to see how spiritual you really were, the single most impressive display of your spirituality would probably be to go on a multi-day fast. Stop eating all foods. Drink minimal amounts of liquid. Forgo shaving and bathing. and Sleep in your clothes. And if you really wanted to impress people with how spiritual you are, you would walk around looking run down and unkept. And when someone noticed how worn out you look, they would, they would ask, hey, how are you doing? And then you could tell them and you could respond by saying, I've been fasting. I've been fasting for 20 days. One more day to go. I think I can make it. I think I can make it. And most people would respond by saying, wow. 21 days fasting, you're the man. Like, you're the woman. You are so spiritual. That's awesome. I mean, I I go days forgetting to pray, and here you are going 21 days without food? You know, that kind of a spiritual act would really, really impress people. And if that's what you were going for, was to impress people with how spiritual you are, then job well done. I mean, you accomplished your objective. You you impressed people with how spiritual you are. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, He sees how many religious people are fasting just to impress people with how spiritual they are. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice what you are fasting, that you are fasting except your Father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Translated, if If you're humbling yourself and you're fasting to build a sense of focus in your life or for whatever it is you're praying about, Jesus said, prove your sincerity by by not letting anyone else know what you're doing. Keep it between just you and God. And God who sees in secret will reward. You know this... Keep it between you and God idea goes way beyond fasting. You could apply this idea to giving. I mean, don't let anyone know what you're giving. Don't brag about how much you give to this organization or or to the poor or, or to your church. That's between you and God. If you brag about it, you lose some of the reward involved in the discipline of generosity. You could apply this idea to acts of kindness. Don't don't brag about it. Jesus said, do this stuff privately. Keep it between you and God. And the God who sees in secret will know that you are doing it just for Him. 
And He will reward you. Now we come to Isaiah chapter 58. This remarkable chapter. And church, I want to throw down a challenge to you this morning before we even get started. I want to challenge you to read this chapter, Isaiah chapter 58, every day for the next 15 days. Every day, 15 times. Read this chapter, Isaiah 58. Read it throughout the series. The series is called At Your Service. And I believe if you read it every day for the next 15 days, it will change you. This chapter will change you. Here in this delightful chapter, some religious people are fasting for the purpose of impressing God. They're not necessarily guilty of trying to impress other people, but they're trying to impress God with their earnestness. They're trying to manipulate God to get Him to do what they want Him to do. You see, it can swing both ways. Some people do things to impress other people. Some people do things to try to impress God. But you know what God wants? He wants you to be real. He wants you to be authentic. He wants you to do things from the motivation of love, not guilt and not deceit. So let's get back to these religious people. They're fasting and they're trying to manipulate God and God responds with these piercing words in Isaiah 58 verse 3. We have fasted before you, the religious people say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, God says. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Translated, your fast is not impressing me at all. If you're fasting trying to get me to do something while you're still exploiting or oppressing people, fasting trying to manipulate me to do something, and you're still fighting and quarreling and and it's just full of drama, there is no way I'm interested in meeting the need that you're praying about. God then does a play on words. This is so cool. He does a play on the word fast. God's about to say some of the most significant words in the entire Old Testament concerning the act of service. He says, if you really want to impress me, if you really want to get my attention or my approval, here's the kind of fast that I want you to do. Isaiah 58 in verse 6. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. And remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And don't hide from relatives who need your help. That kind of fast, God says... That kind of fast will impress me every time. That kind of fast will result in all kinds of blessings from my hand. In the next several verses, God describes in great detail the various kinds of blessings that He will pour out on people. 
who will commit to serve, who will commit to spend themselves on behalf of others, especially the needs of the poor. Isaiah 58, verse 8. He says, when you spend yourself on behalf of others, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Wow, isn't that so beautiful? God isn't even done yet. In case people didn't get it the first time, he, he lays it out one more time with blinding clarity. So here we go again, Isaiah 58 verse 10. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. What we just read right there is one of the longest lists of the promises of God's blessings recorded in a single passage in the entire Bible. And maybe you didn't catch it the first time because maybe I read it too quickly. So let me, let me read these blessings again and I'm going to actually put it in the form of a list. God says, if you give yourself to the service of other people, here's what I promise to you. I promise to give you joy, healing, protection, answers to your prayers. I promise to give you provision. And and maybe that provision will come in the 11th hour when you need it most. I promise to give you guidance for the critical decisions of your life. I promise to give you soul satisfaction for the... Gosh, like an ever-flowing spring... And I promise to give you strength in times of weakness. And all that has to be done to open the floodgate of these blessings into your life is to spend yourself in service to others. You know, what does this tell us about the heart of God concerning people? He obviously cares deeply about the plight of the poor. He obviously cares deeply about the brokenness in people's lives. And He wants you to care as well. He says, if you want to go on a fast that will really blow me away, then feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Shelter the homeless. Clothe the naked. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Help those in trouble. It will impress me every single time. You know, at at some point, with God's heart so clearly exposed, the question has to be asked. why, Why do so many people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ fail to engage Or fail to serve people in need? Why do so many people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ fail to serve at all? I mean, is that that a fair question to ask this morning? Why do so many people who claim to be Christ followers struggle 
with this idea of serving, especially serving the poor. And you know, many can go months, even years, without serving at all. I mean, why would people who have the Holy Spirit within them, why would Christ followers of all people neglect the act of serving? Why would they neglect the poor? Why is this? I'm going to share four thoughts with us this morning on on why I think this might be. And you may agree with these thoughts. You may completely disagree with these thoughts. You can come up with thoughts of your own. It's okay. But here's my thoughts. And I have the mic, so here we go. All right? (laughs) Reason number one. I believe a lot of Christ followers neglect the act of service because a lot of churches, a lot of people, they don't realize how central this matter is to the heart of God. Most people can count on one hand how many times they've heard teaching on the plight of the poor. Other topics are always taught with great frequency, but but not this one. Most churches, they, they don't have Love This Town initiatives. They don't engage with projects like Operation Christmas Child. They don't have, you know, Women Glow events. And they definitely don't shut down Sunday services to go serve the community. And sadly, most churches, what their focus is, what what they're trying to accomplish is they're, they're trying to teach the already convinced to understand doctrine on a deeper level with little, if any, action. Most churches, they're, they're so focused on just filling people up with this knowledge that people come, they got so much spiritual knowledge, they become spiritually fat. And there is no action, there is no movement with the poor and the broken that's all around us. It's not talked about, there's little teaching on it, and most of the time, a finger isn't even lifted to do something about it. In my experience, I've seen churches that have become known for things. Some churches are known for their worship. I mean, they are, their music is uplifting and it's honoring to God and it blesses many, many people and it's, it's awesome. It's incredibly cool. Other churches are known for their commitment to small groups and some churches are known for their youth and, and their children's ministries and some churches are known for planting other churches. And all these things are Wonderful. Okay, all these things are wonderful. But but think about this with me for just a moment. Try to think of five churches. Try to think of five churches. You can even go outside of the state of Colorado. Think of five churches that are known. This is what they are known for. They are known for engaging with the poor. Can you think of five churches that are known for their incredible acts of service to their community? You know, we we might have a hard time thinking about them. And if it makes you wonder why, it certainly is not because the Bible is silent on the idea of service. 
I mean, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible related to serving and caring for the poor. God's Word is filled with teaching about it. Matthew 25, verses 34 through 35, this is the eternal reckoning when God is deciding the eternal destiny of every man and woman. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. True followers of Jesus Christ, they know how to serve. They know how to respond to the needs of the poor. True followers have a, I'll do whatever it takes mindset. True followers of Jesus, they know that God's heart breaks for the broken. True Christ followers will care. They will do something about the brokenness. They will see, they will feel, they will act, they will equip, they will empower, they will empathize. You know, we all will stand accountable and true followers of Jesus know God's heart when it comes to the discipline of service. You know, the second reason why so many Christ followers don't serve, it could be that Many of us have never seen severe poverty up close and personal. You know, we've seen the poor in the first world, in our country, and, and it's tough. We've seen the working poor trying to make ends meet. We we see people who need help with additional food and clothing, and they need help with their utility bills or some gas money. But you know, the, the kind of poverty that we experience in this country, it, it's terrible, okay? It, it's terrible. And I'm glad that we're doing something about it on a weekly basis here at Grace Church. But severe poverty is way different, way different than the kind of poverty that's being experienced here in the States. When you see severe poverty, it, it takes your breath away. What if, what if we started to pray prayers like this? What if we started to pray prayers that said, God, use me in any way that you can to alleviate the suffering in this world? Use me. You know, honestly, I, I don't know how we could ever be satisfied as as followers of Jesus Christ, I don't know how we could ever be satisfied by living a normal life. And you know, one of the great concerns that I have about living in the beautiful Four Corners area is we are insulated from the poor. If you were to track, let's say you were to track where you drive your vehicle... If you were to track where you drive your car, maybe you would start in your garage with your electric garage door opener, and uh, then it would go to work, and then maybe at lunch you'd go to a restaurant, and then maybe after work you'd go to an air-conditioned grocery store, and then you would go home, and maybe that's kind of like the cycle that could happen day in and day out. 
We could go months and sometimes even years without ever coming into contact with the poor. And that in and of itself can make us immune to their suffering. I'm all about challenges this morning, all right? So let me throw down another challenge. Those of us that have the resources, which is most of us, what if you and your family, or what if just you, what if you committed to go to a place on this planet that is in severe poverty? What if you committed to go and to see it for yourself, to see it with your own eyes, to experience it, to smell it. What if you committed to go, you committed to go, and just to to see it, to experience severe poverty? Because out of sight goes out of mind, and our hearts can grow cold. What if we got to the point where we were going once a year, or maybe once every couple of years? What if you took part of your vacation time? Okay, now there's nothing wrong with taking a vacation. Please don't misunderstand me on this. But what if you took part of your vacation time and you committed to serve the poor somewhere in Latin America or Central America or Africa? What if we made sure as our kids are growing up that they witnessed severe poverty so that they wouldn't be ignorant to the brokenness that exists on this planet. Because my fear is, is that our kids will grow up in the La Plata mountain fantasy land, buying things they don't need to impress people they don't even care about. And this is part of our strategy here at Grace Church. This is part of our strategy, is we want you to go out. We want you to go. Because we believe it will expand your heart. We believe it will make you a better person. And we believe that you could be a blessing to someone who could use a little encouragement, who could use a little more light in their life. And honestly, most of the time, you're the one who comes back blessed. You're the one who comes back changed. You're the one who comes back different. And this leads me into the third reason why so many Christ followers neglect the act of serving. I believe many of us are overwhelmed by all the needs. We're overwhelmed by all the needs, so why even try? And I have to admit to you this morning, church, if I'm not careful, I fall into this trap. Because they are, there are millions of people sleeping on sidewalks, going without basic necessities. So, so what can I do that would even make a dent? I love what Mother Teresa said. She said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Something else she said that was pretty amazing is, if you cannot feed a hundred people, feed just one. What I'm trying to teach you this morning is all of us can serve. It's something all of us can do. Serving is the highest level of living. 
And when we spend ourselves on behalf of others, we gain the sort of fulfillment that can never be bought with money. Or it can never be satisfied with stuff. Serving is something that we can all do. And being willing to serve can transform your business, your family, your marriage, your church. It can transform your life. It's what Jesus came to do. He came to serve. And there are so many ways that you can serve. There are so many ways. You you can spend a little money and a little time to pack a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. And, And let me just say... Many of you did this, and as a matter of fact, the Four Corners area collected a record 4,684 shoebox gifts, and they were sent out to children around the world. That's pretty awesome. Way to go, Grace Church. Way to go. You can serve by showing up for Love This Town events, where we serve our community we just show up and say, what can we do? You need us to set up chairs and tables and we, we just want to serve. Yesterday, at the Ladies Glow event, we had many volunteers who served by washing hair and cutting hair, painting nails and giving clothes away and showing kindness to women in our community who, who just needed a little encouragement. Like, way to go, Grace Church. Way to go. You can serve by showing up for the next generation by serving in G-Kids Ministries. You can show up for the next generation by serving in our junior and senior high ministries. You can give so that we can continue to support 14 different ministries around the world that are taking the love of Jesus around the world. I just wanted to say, way to go, Grace Church. There are so many ways to serve, and and gosh, we are serving. There's so many ways to make a difference. You just simply need to show up. What I want to encourage you is don't be overwhelmed, and definitely don't do nothing. Let's go back to Matthew 25. Look at verses 42 through 45. And please, don't let this be said of you. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Can I just say that the answer is never to do nothing. Just take that option off of the table because we can all do little things with great love. The fourth reason why many Christ followers don't serve is I just think many of us, we just simply don't know what to do. Like we, we have the desire, we have the want to. We just don't know where to go or what to do. A lot of people don't know what they can do personally that will make a difference. And 
Can I offer you a little bit of counsel on this? We talked about this about a month ago. Remember back in the book of Exodus when God was trying to draft Moses into leadership and he asked Moses this question. He said, what do you have in your hand? And Moses responded by saying, all I have is a shepherd's staff. And God said, great, I'll use that. You know, many people, they just simply don't know what they can do. They're willing, but they don't know what they can do that can make a difference. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you what God asked Moses. What do you have in your hand? What do you do in your profession? What, what are you good at? What skills do you have? What are you passionate about? Man, start right there. What, what has God already given you that you could use to serve? Some people still might say, gosh, I, I still don't know. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I enjoy. I don't know. We have something for you here at Grace that can help, and it's called SHAPE. It's an acronym that stands for Spiritual Gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. And it's a great tool to give you some direction, to give you some guidance, to help you know what God has placed in your hand. And it's free. And this morning after the service, you can go to the Welcome Center. You can sign up for it. And hopefully it's just a tool to help you get a little direction on what God has placed in you already. Let me ask you again, what do you have in your hand? What could you do to serve? What could you do to lessen some of the brokenness in this world? What if you got creative? What if you took some risks? Some of you are doing this already. You're already serving. Man, we have some automobile mechanics who have used their talents to bless other people. We have some carpenters who have used their skills to do repairs and to help people that are in need. We have some retired folks that, man, the greatest gift that they can offer is time. They help us in the food pantry. They, they help us on the stewardship side of the ministry. They, they help with administrative tasks and they go on serving trips. My, my point is that every single one of us has something unique that could be offered to God, that could be offered to ease the burden of the poor, that could be offered in some way to serve other people. But let me say this. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to figure this out. It's your job to get active. Don't wait for Grace Church to figure out what you should be doing to serve. Don't wait for us. We're going too slow. Just start serving. It's your job to figure out what you should do to make a difference. And let me remind you one more time that God is waiting to unleash His blessings on those who spend themselves in service to other people. Let's look at this list one more time from Isaiah 58. Either the Word of God is true or it's not. I believe it's true. If you give yourself to the service of others, He will give you joy and healing and protection and answers to your prayers. He will give you provision. He will give you guidance, soul satisfaction like an ever-flowing spring and strength 
in times of weakness. In closing, in closing, I'm going to be lovingly blunt with you. My goal, my desire, the win for this series is to see in you, to see in each of you, a heart attitude that says, I am willing to serve. I am willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to serve. Whatever that may be, whatever that may be, I'm willing to do it. Because what if Grace Church were not only known as the kindest church in town? Okay, You are the kindest church in town. You are known for this. Okay, What if we were not only known for kindness? What if we were not only known as being a very generous church? You are an extremely generous church. But what if we were also known for service? Not, not busyness, not busy bodies, but true service. What if we were known for that? What if people in this area said, dang, I don't believe everything they teach at Grace Church. I don't even like their bald-headed pastor. I don't really care for him. But man, they serve. Like they're everywhere. They're serving the poor. They're, they're, they're not afraid of broken people. Man, they welcome them. They serve them. They're ministering to the poor. You know, as individuals, by ourselves, we cannot be everywhere. That's what makes the church of Christ so beautiful. Because if each of us would do little things with great love, the world would take notice. And there's nothing that speaks louder than love. Nothing. Let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for Isaiah chapter 58. Wow. What an incredible chapter. Lord, I pray that we would commit to read it for the next 15 days. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what you do. You would change the way we think. You would change the way we see people. We would see people like you see people. I pray that you would change our heart. Some of us that are, man, we're just so focused on I. I pray that that focus would change. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that's not only known for our kindness and generosity, but Lord, we would be known for our incredible acts of service. And not to impress other people and not even to impress you, God. You're God. You're not going to be impressed. We would do it from a motivation of love. We would do it because we want to do it, not because we're guilted to do it. We would do it out of obedience to Isaiah chapter 58. We would do it because we love the person that's on the other side of us. Gosh, Lord, I'm praying for greater things. I'm praying that we as a church would see and experience things that we've never seen and experienced. 
pray that we would have the humility to serve. We love you, God. I, I want to say thanks for the chocolate-covered strawberries, too. Those were pretty good. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church.